0: And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold. I am so happy to be with you today. I hope you're uh, having a good day. Lots of things to be thinking about, praying about. We've got Holy Week coming up and always excited for the Resurrection Sunday. Lots to be thankful for. I hope you can do an inventory of your life and say, life is good and I'm grateful and God has provided in abundant ways. And how do you feel in Internally, Are you uh, filled with joy despite circumstances? Are you thinking that you've got work to do? That's all of us. And that includes me. We all have work to do. My guest this hour is Dr. Andy scuddinga We're going to talk today about the imposter syndrome. Wow, what is... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going there yet, Andy, but let me just say, the, the imposter syndrome is probably uh, a lot of us, where you feel... A little bit like a fraud. And you don't know if you quite measure up. You might be doubting your skill set, and that would make you feel like a phony. And that's what this, our topic today. Andy is a psychology professor uh, at North Central University right here in the Greater Twin Cities area. Andy, welcome. Thanks for having me. It's good to be back. Oh, I like having you on. Um, I like being here. It's pretty fun. It is It is fun. Now, I just had all this booted up. Now, let me just read a definition. Imposter syndrome is the condition of feeling anxious and not experiencing success internally, despite being high performing in external. <laughs> yeah. The condition often results in people feeling like a fraud or a phony and doubting their abilities. What's with that? It is born of that evil word,
1: insecurity. <laughs> All right. Everybody hates feeling insecure, right?
0: absolutely yeah
1: i've never met anyone who says i i kind of like feeling
0: insecure in myself there's i've never met that person Mm -hmm. so there are different kinds of imposter syndrome personalities maybe you're a perfectionist and that's going to create all kinds of issues maybe you're a natural genius or a rugged individualist (laughs) or you're the expert Or uh, the
1: superhero. I like to think of myself as the natural genius. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no insecurity there, folks. But if we if we, yeah. if we wander type.
0: if we wander away from the identity we have in Christ, we're going to start to doubt all kinds of stuff. Yeah, and, and you're going to. I suppose everyone, Andy, at some point feels like you're a little out of your comfort zone, oh, and that absolutely. makes you feel like, "What am I doing here?"
1: Yeah, yeah. I think it's probably the most common on the first day of your new job. <laughs> or the yeah. first day of uh you know like graduate school or maybe even undergraduate school, maybe you got into college and you didn't think you would and you get there and your first day you're like, What am I doing here? There's so many smart kids around me, or you go to grad school and you think, man, there are so many smart people here, I don't know if I can make it hmm I mean and you know the the first time I ever taught a college class, I thought they're gonna know i'm they're gonna know I'm an idiot in about five minutes <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. These these students are going to see right through me, and it's going to be awful. And then ten minutes in, I thought, oh yeah, I can,
0: yeah, I'm going to be okay. I can do this. Now, does some of this uh, start in your family of origin? If you have high expectations to be a, a high performer, yeah, and that you you have to have a high level of achievement in your household, and everything is a little bit on the perfectionist side, you're going to feel like you're always having to work to succeed, to try to please. Absolutely. And it might turn you into a little bit of a phony at times.
1: Yeah, I think it causes certainly some level of kind of neurotic thinking about how good you are when you've been, yeah, if you grew up in a house where, you know, uh, if you if you didn't get 100 on the test and you, you got a 98 and your your parents or your caregivers are like, well, what happened? How come you didn't get 100? And you think, well, wait a minute, 98 out of 100 is pretty good. And when you constantly get those kind of messages like it's never quite good enough, you're you're gonna grow up always feeling like you're not quite good enough. Like you you're not measuring up. And you're going to be concerned that other people are gonna be able to see through that. And that's a that's a pretty pretty common feeling of insecurity for people mm-hmm. that, that not measuring up. Now there's obviously the opposite is arrogance and people who think they are more than enough and don't often work as hard this is the opposite these are people who probably work really hard like the definition you gave they're they're actually achievers they, yeah. they get things done and they do well and they're good at what they do but it's never quite good enough and that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a pretty insecure place to be
0: yeah so if you feel like a, an imposter you're gonna have a fair amount of anxiety yes it, this is not gonna go away no although it is not an official diagnosis in DSM no um, it's very real absolutely yeah Yeah, I. I mean,
1: I've. I have. I mean, self disclosure. I have felt that in a number of different occasions. Um, One of the the first time I ever coached a middle school basketball game as the head coach. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man, we're we're gonna get smoked, and people are gonna think (laughs) Andy's getting has no idea how to coach a basketball team. And I honestly don't remember even how the game went. And it was fine. I didn't do anything weird or call any crazy timeouts. I didn't get a technical or anything like that. And as you get better, most of the time, when people start, when they feel that way, they get engaged with whatever they're doing, whatever they're performing or their job or their education. And then they slowly begin to realize, I'm actually okay. And that's Mm -hmm. a healthy response to that. The unhealthy part is when you're never losing that feeling of, am I good enough? Am I Mm -hmm. measuring up? And you've, you've done your job for three years and you still feel like, I hope they don't ever find out that
0: I'm really faking it, <laughs> right? That's that's yeah. not a,
1: that's not a good place to be. And yeah. I think a lot of people are
0: are actually there. Doctor Andy Scuddinga is my guest. And we're talking about the imposter syndrome. If you've ever felt phony or felt like a fraud or you felt like you had to fake your way through something, you might be suffering from a little bit of that, and that's okay because I think that's just about everybody. But um, you know, Andy, there's times when you start an endeavor and you try to learn something but you don't tell people right away that you're doing it cuz you want a certain level of competency before you admit to being uh, anything right <laughs> totally cuz yeah. you don't you don't want to go oh come on you
1: <laughs> right you, you never want to catch somebody like in their surprise moment that they you can actually pull that off yeah like wait you're a college professor mm-hmm. oh oh wait a minute i just said something really rude to you didn't i yeah you never want to be on the opposite end of that we're like you you're really surprised that i do that for a living that's kind of makes me feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that happens to a lot of people. You, you, you tell somebody what you do, or like you said, what you're trying. I'm going to do this. And they're like, whoa, well, you, you know, that's really hard, right? Yeah. That's, that's going to make you, that's going to make anybody feel insecure. For and sure. And when you do get into it, then you're, you're going to be worried.
0: Am I going to measure up? Mm-hmm. One of the things that we can do right away and implement this today is to admit to not knowing. I think mm-hmm. we were talking about that in the green room before yeah. the show is that it's okay to say I don't I don't know that. Yeah. I don't I'll look into that, but I I don't know how to answer that. I think confidence
1: comes to people when they are willing to admit I don't know everything. And when you are okay with that and become secure in the fact that hey, hey, I don't have to be perfect. I can't know everything, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I tell my students in certain classes this is not I'm I'm an expert compared to you, but I'm not a complete expert. You know, like we covered eating disorders, for example, the other day in a course. I'm not an eating disorder expert. I do know more than my students do in Mm -hmm. general, but not always. And so I'm not afraid anymore to tell them, look, this is not my area of expertise. And if you want to know more, here's some resources that you can use, or maybe we can even look up the answer together. But I think many people feel fearful of admitting they have a deficiency like that, Mm -hmm. even though it's a normal deficiency. Nobody can know everything. Nobody can complete every task by themselves. Not everybody knows how to fix cars or how to do plumbing or electricity. And when you feel like a sense of shame for not having that sort of skill or ability, I think you're doing yourself a disservice and you should just realize, okay, I can't be good at or I can't know
0: everything and that's perfectly okay. In fact, that's normal. Mm -hmm. So there is going to be damage if you suffer from this imposter syndrome, because you will have anxiety, maybe you'll even lack the ability to enjoy success. Because oh, yeah. internally, you've got what you believe is the competency sure. and the skill level, but then you have that thought in your head: "Am I good enough?" Do you know? I I think this often when I come into the studio here, <laughs> because, right? Because it's a big weight. Yeah. Well, there's pressure. I mean, you. I I think.
1: I think it's also okay to recognize that in certain jobs at certain times you have more pressure than other times, and you actually have to be competent. That's what you're getting paid to do, right?
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I had, a, I had a former colleague who who often felt like I am. He would talk about this. He was another psychologist, right? I have. He would sometimes say. I'm suffering from some serious imposter syndrome right now.
0: And he would just <laughs> mm-hmm. flat
1: out admit it. Like, I, I'm teaching this section and I, have, I really don't know fully what I'm doing. And I was kind of admired that to a certain degree because then he would go and research it and, f- and strengthen um, whatever he was missing. You know, if mm-hmm. he didn't have enough knowledge about something. And that's kind of the beauty of, you know, in my profession, you sometimes teach a new class and you might have to say, I don't know a lot about this, but I'll look it up. And, yeah. I'll, and I'll figure it out. And that's, you know, there's some, there's some joy in that kind of discovery. Yeah. And also saying, hey, you know what? I can work on this. I could, I could use some more information, so I'm going
0: to do it. When you think of the impo- the, the imposter phenomenon, Andy, and you, you can be, it stems from a sense of feeling inadequate. Mm-hmm. In the environment, right? Despite yeah. your being competent. Sure. I mean, I can share my faith just about anywhere yeah. in any environment. But there's times when you might have some hostility or you might have somebody that just really gives you some attitude and it kind of knocks you off your game just a little bit. Yeah. Because they're going for you. Oh, and yeah. You have to kind of readjust and you have to say, Okay, I'm getting some opposition, but I'm I'm okay. I, you know, internally I I know I'm competent to do this. Right. And I, I hear often how people think that I just I'm too afraid to share my faith. Yeah. I don't want to be in an environment where I'm going to be feeling inadequate.
1: Yeah, nobody nobody wants to feel inadequate, and I, I think we do a lot. I mean, maybe maybe not everybody does. Maybe some of you listeners never feel inadequate, and
0: good for okay. you. I'd like to meet them.
1: Uh, yeah, you also might have a you know <laughs> you might be really too arrogant. You should be careful. Um, yeah, feelings of inadequacy are are common, and I think people probably feel them every day to a certain extent. I think that's a I think that's a common. Uh, not disorder, I think it's a common, I don't know what the word is. It's just something that we all have to deal with, Yeah, feeling inadequate. And if we learn how to be okay with that, it becomes a lot easier mm-hmm. to deal with our fears and inadequacies when we are able to look at ourselves and say, you know, I'm actually okay. Mm-hmm. Even though I can't do X, Y, or Z, or yeah. I don't know this or that, I'm still all right. Yeah. I'm, st- I'm still okay. And I think that positive self-talk of of letting ourselves know that we're all right and being okay with being all right. Those are two powerful things that can combat that feeling of inadequacy. Mm-hmm.
0: I would love to hear from listeners if you internally feel competent, but there's times when you feel like a fraud or you feel a little phony or you feel like an imposter. Cause at a certain point we all present ourselves to the world and you're either presenting the true self yeah. or you're, patting the resume a little bit. Right. <laughs> right. So if you are in that situation and you've got a story to tell and you can do it and be willing to text it over to me, 877-933-2484, 877-933-2484. And I'll be right back with Dr. Andy Skuniga. Just a minute. He entered Jerusalem like a king on Palm Sunday. By Friday, he was dead and hanging on a cross. Discover what really happened when you join Faith Radio's Reading the Bible Together Holy Week study. Walk with Jesus to the cross, carry him to the grave, and rise again in victory. Get your free study guide and access to the podcast by signing up now at MyFaithRadio.com. Breaker, breaker. I've got Dr. Andy (laughs) Scudding. I
1: was literally going to say that, and I thought, I better not. I'm on the radio. No, yeah, yeah. That's, oh, wow. That's
0: exactly what I was thinking. Well, we're talking about the imposter syndrome (laughs) today, and if that has ever been something you have felt, like you felt a little bit like a phony or a fraud, I think that's pretty much everybody. Yeah. Yeah. first listener that chimed in surely said uh, in 75, my first day of teaching sixth grade, I was nervous, but I pretended that I knew exactly what to do and it went well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, fake it
1: till you make it is actually a pretty good psychological tool in your kit. Mm -hmm. For real. I mean, there's, there's a lot of research that suggests even faking smiling at people will lead to you smiling more for real. And pretending to like someone will actually lead you to like them a little bit more. So, you know, a, a great way to combat that feeling, especially when you're walking into something new, um, is to to act competent, even if you don't feel confident. to mm-hmm. act competent, even if you don't feel like you're competent. Mm-hmm. And, you
0: know, it, it kind of snowballs in a, in a positive direction for you when you do those things. Yeah. Let's say a student comes home, I'm not referring to you right now or me, but a student comes home and tells mom and dad that I got a 92 on my test. And the parents said, nice job could you have done better? Was a hundred something you could have done? I that, like that response, actually. What is? Uh, you know, when the,
1: if the parent says, that's good. Could you, could you have done better? Oh, okay. I think that's fair, depending on the type of kid you're talking about too, right? Yeah. If you have a really talented student who maybe isn't working as hard as they should, that's a different conversation than your student who maybe has had less success in school, but trying hard. And the highest grade they've gotten in that class up to that point is a 85 mm-hmm. and they've been striving and working hard to get above a 90. when they come home with that 92 you celebrate right that's that's an exciting thing but so I, I think that has to be tied to their own level of competence and their natural ability and what what they're striving for mm-hmm. um, but if you're if your student is capable of a hundred and they get a 92 that's still pretty good I mean what's like what's not, let's not you know, let's not break the kid down because it wasn't perfect. That really does lead to people with insecurities and fears about failure as they grow older. When you punish them for failing at things or, you know, fail seeding, you know, you, you succeeded just fine by most people's standards, but by our standards, that's mm-hmm. failure. That That's, that's not, uh, that's not super healthy for
0: kids. Mm-hmm. So let's say a- another person gets to go to the, special luncheon at work because they had a certain sales month, right? Right. And then the next month the sales weren't quite as good and they didn't get invited to that luncheon that month. Yeah. And they start to feel like, oh, I don't exist, or they're going to find out about me. Right. But I just got lucky and I'm not that good, and all of a sudden, ooh, I don't know what's going to happen. And you start to have this anxiety. Yeah. I think a great way to combat that is to look
1: at the successes that you have had now, if if it's been four years and you've never made the luncheon, and then you finally get one, mm-hmm. and the next week you're like, they don't love me anymore. <laughs> no, I mean, okay, so you're you, you've kind of established a baseline. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of these things are are also based on kind of your your expectancies and your your performances and how have you always done, and those are all important factors to take a look at. Two for people is, you know, if you're if you're feeling really insecure, have you, on one hand, have you earned that? You know, maybe you're, maybe you've spent several months at your job doing 80% work and now you're starting to feel like you're an imposter. Well, you are being an imposter because you're not, you're not striving to meet your full potential. You're not using your gifts and talents to your Mm -hmm. abilities. And when you do have that feeling inside of you, like I'm kind of inadequate, well, are you inadequate because you're not giving adequate effort? Or are you inadequate because you're trying your best, you're doing your absolute best all the time, and it's not measuring up? Those are two very different things. Yeah, they are. And I think we have to be, you know, that's where a little bit of self-reflection comes in, where you have to ask yourself, well, am, am I am I giving my best? Am I, am I trying my hardest? Hey, son, daughter, are you actually, uh, a 92 is pretty good, but are you capable of more? I think you are. Are you working your hardest to get that grade? Well, no, I'm actually pretty lazy, but 92 is easy to get okay, then you're not working hard enough. I want to see more effort from you. And mm-hmm. I think people actually want to be challenged in that way. I think students want to be challenged. And I think workers, they want to be
0: challenged to do their best, but then be rewarded for doing their best. Mm-hmm. So uh, Dr. Andy Scudinger is my guest. We're talking about imposter syndrome. So are there some personalities, Andy, that might be more prone? Let's say the introverted sort of person is going to yeah. quietly go home and sort of ruminate on some of the negative things that happened that day. And that negative self-talk is going to create them, in their mind, this feeling of, oh, I'm just not that competent anymore. I, yeah. I don't know. Yep. And you belittle your own achievements and it starts to just kind of eat away at you. And there's more anxiety. Yeah,
1: that's a that's a really negative cycle to get into. And I think that can become sometimes a a roadway to depression and anxiety when you're that negative self-talk can be incredibly powerful and really detrimental to people Mm -hmm. when they're constantly questioning themselves and constantly downplaying what they are actually good at. Um, I think that's, that's really harmful to people's kind of self psyche. I think it's an interesting thing. I mean, the, the, how we talk to ourselves is it's, it's very powerful. Yes, it is. Because we, we you know, theoretically, we know ourselves better than anybody else. And when when we are good at something and we're constantly, you know, self-deprecating, and it's okay to use that kind of humor once in a while, self-deprecating humor. is It's, you know, it's a way to keep yourself humble and make sure you're not getting a big head. But when it becomes your go-to every time, you're going to start believing those things that you say about yourself. And it works in the opposite way, too. If you're always telling yourself, I am awesome. (laughs) And I'm Mm -hmm. so good at what I do. And, you know, nobody even realizes how good I am. That's also, that's equally unhealthy because Mm -hmm. then you aren't paying attention to your flaws and the things you can work on. Because if there's one thing that's true about us as humans, there's always something that we could improve on,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: but we're, there's always some things that we're probably being too hard on ourselves
0: for and finding that balance can be really difficult for people Mm -hmm. sometimes. What about setting unrealistic expectations? Yeah. Let's say I'm going to say ambitiously, I'm going to send five text messages to friends every day encouraging them. And the day one goes good. Day (laughs) two doesn't go quite so good. (laughs) Right. And by day three, you're going, I'm done. I'm a loser. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: that's that's, I'm a fraud. That's a great point. Because I
0: said I was going to do it. And I felt like I was going to be empowered to do it. I prayed about it, and then it didn't last past three days.
1: Yes, and God let me down. And now you are upset. No, at God, God didn't let you now down. Now you are upset with yourself. and yeah. yeah. That's just you can you can create these really deep cesspools of negative thinking just by talking to yourself in in negative ways and not being honest. I think an honest response to that is okay. Maybe this was a little unrealistic. Maybe I should just start with one encouraging text message every day to somebody that I know. And then you get in the habit of doing that, and mm-hmm. then you can increase it or, or, or decrease it as you need, but you can build that up. It's, it's always great to start small with new habits that you're trying to create because you can only, again, we've talked about this before. You can only add or change one thing about yourself at a time. Mm-hmm. And if that one thing is improving your self-talk, that, that may actually help you in a lot of different
0: areas. Yeah, there is that wonderful proverb, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. But what you're thinking in your heart, what comes out of the mouth is what's in the heart. So you got to be very careful. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. We're coming up on Holy Week, which is exciting, thrilling, and beautiful. Yeah. Do you not agree, Andy? I totally agree with that. Yeah. And as we are preparing for Holy Week, if you want to follow along with the walk that Jesus made as he traveled to the cross this Easter, you can still join us for the Holy Week study. And you can sign up for that right now or whenever you want to at myfaithradio.com. Myfaithradio.com. We are talking to Dr. Andy Scuddingett today, and we're chatting about the imposter syndrome. If you've ever felt a little bit like a fraud or a little bit like a phony, and I think that's most of us, we've had to fake our way through some things, especially when you're trying something that's out of your comfort zone and you might find yourself um, setting on a relics unrealistic expectations or having a lot of self-doubt, or maybe you undervalue the contributions you are making and you feel like a phony, but don't. God has made you in this most beautiful way and our identity is in Christ. When we come back, we're going to continue to talk to Andy about it in just a minute.
1: Get it started. Jump in your car. Yeah. What's for dinner? Yeah. It's the afternoon show with Bill
0: Arnold. So glad to have Dr. Andy Scuddinger with me here in the studio. Andy is uh, I had just celebrated a birthday yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Yeah, happy yep. happy birthday. Thank you. That's very kind of you. Andy. Yeah. So we're talking about imposter syndrome. If you've ever felt so out of your comfort zone or you've undervalued your contribution or you feel inadequate and you you internalize all these feelings and you say, I know what God says about me, but, mm, you know, I don't know if I'm going to fully agree today with what he says, (laughs) right? Because I'm feeling inadequate and I'm going to sort of let that inadequacy rise to the surface. Now, I'm not saying that doesn't happen to the best of everybody, but it, if you feel like you're not living up to an expectation, you can feel like a fraud often.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: I think that's a big part of it when you're not when you're not meeting expectations. And it could be your own expectations, it could be your, you know, supervisor, you know, spouse, a friend, your kids, you know, coworkers, whatever it is. When we and when we don't meet those, and we and we all will fail to meet those sometimes, right? I mean, you you miss a deadline, you you don't do something the actual right way. I mean, I've done that before where you turn something in or you finish a project and they're like, that's not at all what we wanted. <laughs> and that's a crummy feeling, mm-hmm. but it's also instructive. I mean, that's just, that's part of life. We make mistakes and if your expectations are to be perfect, you're, you're never going to be happy. You're always going to be letting yourself down. You know, you probably won't let other people down, but you'll let yourself down. And how do you set realistic expectations for yourself is I think a very valid question that mm-hmm. a lot of us can ask.
0: What if you have a sense of incompetence, Andy, so you push yourself harder Mm. and you kind of spend all this energy quickly and what you're doing feels more like um, a duty or a chore. And there's really, you don't feel your meaning and your purpose and and you feel like you're starting to just burn out.
1: Yeah, that can be a tough spot to be in uh-huh. when you when you're constantly working towards improvement and you and you're not seeing it <laughs> or you're not feeling it. That that would be I think that's really difficult and that's again where you you might have to reassess what you're actually after. You know, what are you what are you seeking and is it realistic or is it is it tangible? And if you're if you're if you're trying to feel like I'm truly good at this, well, are you truly good at it? And if you are, then why are you why are you lying to yourself that you're that you're not? What's holding you back from celebrating the fact that you've maybe reached a point in your, you know, your career or whatever you're doing that you are pretty good at it? And there's nothing wrong with that. I, I think sometimes, particularly in Christian circles, we are we're so worried about being like overconfident and also over celebratory of ourselves that it gets in the way sometimes of actually being happy about being good at something. There's nothing wrong with being wealthy. There's nothing wrong with being an expert or being great at something. There's something wrong with being arrogant about it or holding it above other people. But there's nothing wrong with those things in and of themselves. Being successful at something, you should celebrate it. I think that's perfectly okay. Mm-hmm. So,
0: what about the fear of losing control, which is an mm-hmm. illusion anyway? Yeah, yeah. Right? It's an illusion.
1: It's a big do we, thing. What do we control? It's a big thing for a lot of people, control mm-hmm. issues. Yeah, um, It can it can cause problems in everything from anger to eating disorders to it can lead to people becoming really anxious or depressed because they feel like they're losing control over things. And, you know, that old phrase, let go and let God. Yeah. You know, that's that's, I don't know if that phrase totally makes sense all the time, but it's kind of that idea of when we start to feel like we're losing control, a good question to ask is, well... Are you losing control? And is the control that you're looking for what you're supposed to have in the beginning or in the first place? Mm-hmm. Is this something that you're you know, worrying a lot about controlling? Is it something that you should give to God anyway? I think that's a very reasonable question to
0: ask. Yeah, really, really good point. Um, and then if you are a perfectionist, that is going to have a lot to do with feeling the fear of losing control as well. Sure. Because if I'm a perfectionist, things have to go a certain way.
1: Yeah. I've never met a perfectionist who's not also a highly controlling person. Yeah. Maybe not of others, but they're controlling of their own environment and how they handle things and what they do. Um, yeah. Those are often pretty closely tied together. Mm-hmm. Perfectionism and, and control.
0: Yeah. And then what about having to be an expert? You know, you're, you're the expert. Right. Yeah. But if you don't know the answer, then, then how do you feel? Yeah. Well, you,
1: you don't feel like an expert anymore.
0: Yeah. Quickly. Um,
1: but again, like, I, like I, I touched on this a little bit earlier, I I had to learn when I, when I first became a college professor, the very first class I ever really taught, um, I filled my slides with so much information because I, I, when I really questioned why I did that, it was because I wanted to show the students I knew what I was talking about and I knew all this stuff. And the longer I've done this job as a, as a college professor, the more comfortable I've become with just saying I don't know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, I don't, I've never read that, or I'm not familiar with that, or why don't you tell me about it? And I think that I think that relieves so much pressure on myself. I, I've talked to colleagues who have had this, and they're like, I don't ever want to be caught not knowing the answer. Mm-hmm. And I always say, well, well, why? It doesn't make you it doesn't make you look bad to not know everything. That's that's pretty normal. And um, not everybody buys into that right away that idea that it's it's okay not to know. But it is. We can't know everything. We can't be good at everything. We can't do everything. That's that's who we are.
0: Yeah. So if you have this underlying emotion or the fear of inadequacy, you will do some some weird things along the way. <laughs> <Yeah. clears throat> you know, because you're going to yeah. you're not going to want to always appear to be inadequate. No, of course even not. Even if you feel that way, well, I don't you don't know what point start, I'm trying
1: to make right now? No, you, well you might start doing mm. things like you say weird stuff. You might you might not, you know, if you're a teacher, you might not allow students room to ask questions. Like like no questions, please, because mm-hmm. I've got to cover all this content. We're so busy. We've got to get through this stuff. Or maybe you're not competent or feeling you're like you're worried as a salesperson. So you 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 might nudge your numbers in a certain way, or you might you're having a bad sales day, so you might Feel sick all of a sudden. You know, Mm -hmm. we we make excuses or we cover things or we create situations around us that cause kind of chaos. And I think sometimes people do that without even realizing it. They're covering for their own insecurities. Mm -hmm. They're trying to draw attention away from, hey, I'm, I'm maybe not doing so good at this by creating problems. And coworkers or family members or friends like that they're really difficult to deal with because oftentimes you can see you're you're creating this problem. But it's not always easy to see what it's trying to cover. Mm-hmm. And we have to
0: be really careful when we're doing that on our own. So maybe you have this, you know, where you you find yourself fudging a little bit, mm-hmm. which is just another term for lying, right? Right, right. <clears throat> yeah. But you'll try to make yourself look more well-rounded, more well-read, all kinds of stuff, right? Sure, sure. So have you ever read any Augustine? And and you go Why? heard of him. Yeah, I think I have. I've, I, I think I read. What <laughs> yeah. was the name of that one book? You know, and maybe you <laughs> right haven't. Maybe you've read a paragraph from one of the books. Yeah, you or know? you heard some speaker quote. Or, <laughs> okay, got Yeah, like oh, oh yeah, totally. <laughs> I know that guy. Okay. Yeah, yep. yeah.
1: Saw so <laughs> him yeah. on uh, Jimmy Kimmel last. No, uh, no right. not,
0: the, not the same guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah right. <laughs> so we're always trying to, uh, you know, appear not incompetent or inadequate or. You know, host a radio show. I have people bring up something from right. scripture and you go, I don't know that. Right. <laughs> I, <laughs> I got. I can't wait to go research that tonight. I
1: This happened to me yesterday. I was in the hallway and a colleague of mine said, hey, I was in a class and one of my students brought up X. And I, I can't remember the name. And he said, you talked about that in class. And I'm like, I have, I, I looked at him for a second. I was hoping I would catch on. Like, oh, I, and suddenly dawned on me, I've no idea what he I finally said, I have no idea what you're talking about. I've never heard that name before. He's like, what? No. The student said, you talked about this in class. And he had to explain this whole guy who wrote about psychology in the 1970s in a book that he read. I mean, I learned a lot, Mm -hmm. but I I finally, (laughs) I I said, I am, I don't know what you're talking. I'm so sorry. I don't know. And for a minute there I had, and, and everybody listening, you've all had this feeling Where you get like a small pit in your stomach and your face gets hot and flushed. You're like, you caught me. (laughs) (laughs) I have no, I I don't know what you're talking about and I feel kind of dumb. And then I thought, wait a minute. Ah, You know what? This is ridiculous. I literally told myself, don't be ridiculous. Yeah. And that's when I was comfortable enough and confident
0: to say, man, I don't know what you're talking about. That's beautiful. I think the world would be a happier place if somebody said, you know, I don't know what that means. Would you explain? It would be It would be great. Yeah. Because half the time, the person telling you about this wants to talk about
1: it. And so you can let them be the teacher, let them be the educator. They feel like an expert. You learn something new, and then you walk away sharing a nice moment together where they got to teach you something you didn't know. Now you're more educated and you know something, and you can use it at the next party you go to and say, Have you ever read about Turin or Torini right. or, or whatever the guy's name? I still can't remember. I'll have to find <laughs> Craig Kruger and ask him. Uh, Craig, uh. if you're listening, I still don't know what you're talking about,
0: but you're a good man. Yeah. So it does – we have something to learn from everybody.
1: So Absolutely. So to,
0: to not act like you're on board with knowing a lot. Is really helpful. Well, it is, and one thing I've found is that
1: people, people, oftentimes, if you ask them a couple questions, they find they enjoy talking about themselves and explaining yeah. who they are. And over the last several years, I've learned a lot more about how to ask people better questions, and and in you know in just polite conversation you know we're not talking like deep level therapy here we're talking like you meet somebody new at some fundraiser or an event or something where there's a bunch of people you don't know people really feel good and feel special when you say so not just well what do you do when you say well how did you get into that or do you do you like what you do now and you just ask them a bunch of questions that give them a chance to actually say who they really are that's that's a that's a really powerful thing that we can do for one another and you know, sometimes they ask you questions back. Sometimes you don't really get to talk at all, but you have to be okay with that, right? You're, when you set somebody up for that, you have to give them the space to maybe turn around and say something mm-hmm. without the expectation
0: that it comes back. <clears throat> that can be really great for other people that you're mm-hmm. that you're talking with. Andy, what about the fear of just being your best, where you are of maybe avoiding even exercising your own talents because of that fear, Oh, that's interesting. Mm. I
1: mean, like, I could write a book, but I'm afraid that no one will read it, no, so I'm not no, going no to no read it.
0: Or they're going to go, "This is your book."
1: Oh, I see what you mean. Like, I mean, your expertise
0: isn't going to be good enough. Great, yeah. And then it's out there, yeah. So you're not going to write your book, but maybe you should write your book, yeah. You know, or because it could be Rick Warren's book of you know purpose-driven <laughs> life that only sold 25 million copies. Yeah, that
1: did that did, did okay. well. Yeah, it did okay. Yeah. But it did well because he was exactly right. People need purpose in life, they do or they 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 fail, they flail is yeah. is actually the word that I was looking for without that purpose in life. you know going back to the point it's and that's it takes a step of courage and and faith to to do something like that, to actually write a book or to even perform in like a musical group, yeah. And when you haven't done that before, and it's not how you make your living, but you have an opportunity to to use your skills and gifts and talents in a way like that, it it definitely takes a bit of courage, and yeah. it takes encouragement from other people, and uh, you hope that the people who encouraged you also show up when you perform, so that they can keep encouraging you, and let you know how it went, and give you yeah that kind of backup that we need, and mm-hmm. I, I think we do need that as people. We need friends, and we need loved ones to to back us up on that kind of stuff sometimes. Mm-hmm.
0: I'm not going to name names, but I, I have a friend who is a monster seller on the New York Times list. Hmm. And he was, I ran into him and he was going to go to New York for a photo shoot for yeah. his next book. And I said, how are you feeling? He goes, well, I feel like they're going to find out I'm a fraud. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, maybe I got lucky the first one or two times, but now they want more books. Yeah, of course. And they're going to realize I'm out of material. That's so interesting. Yeah. People, they always want more. They always want more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so we're going to get more when we come back from break with Dr. Andy Scuddinger. We're talking about the imposter syndrome. If you have felt, maybe you do feel like a fraud at times or a little bit of a phony, and you don't feel like you're completely competent, that could be sabotaging your own success. Don't do it. God has created and designed us in the most amazing way, and we are who we are in Christ. I always say you'd never know who you are until you know who you are in Christ. We'll take a break and be right back. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, Thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting MyFaithRadio.com I'm back with Dr. Andy Scuttinga. We're talking about imposter syndrome. Or maybe you've just had a perception of feeling a little phony or fraudulent and it's really feelings of self-doubt and maybe sometimes it's personal incompetence and it it persists despite your skill set right you're a competent person yeah you know and yet you go through these little self-doubts and i think we all are plagued from time to time so we have to take that negative thinking and get rid of it
1: yeah and and to be clear self-doubt is I think it's a natural part of who we are as humans and it is, it's a little bit like having, you know, some pain in your joint. It It is indicative of something yeah. and, and you shouldn't, I, I, I don't think we should just be like, hey, if you have any self-doubt, you should completely dismiss it and tell yourself you're great. <laughs> um, because, you know, if you're, if you're taking an exam and you have some self-doubt, it could be because you didn't study enough. Or if you are turning in a project at work and mm-hmm. you really, you know, you didn't do your best. Yeah then having some self doubt about that is not only a natural thing but it, it's instructive so I, I don't i don't i don't want to sound like i'm completely dismiss like if you have self doubt that's wrong ignore it mm-hmm. no but you also want to make sure it's not precluding you from doing good things and reaching your potential and also serving god in the way that he's intending you to serve mm-hmm. and i th- i think that can get in the way of us you mentioned self sabotage before the break I think it's something that people do engage in from time to time oh, to sure protect themselves from being as good as they can be. Because mm-hmm. they're worried, like you said earlier, that being as good as I can be isn't going to be good enough. Yeah. So if I have these mishaps and mistakes from time to time, it lowers the bar of expectations, and then it's easier for me to clear them, and I do look
0: pretty good, and then mm-hmm. I don't
1: have to do my best all mm-hmm.
0: the time. Andy, I've kind of avoided bringing this up, but I think now is the time, In the remaining time we have left to talk about the influence that social media has on people's feelings of phoniness and fraudulence. Oh my goodness. How can you not feel incompetent or at least inadequate when you are in that uh, whirlpool or cesspool, whatever you want to call it, of social media comparison and everything that comes along with it? I think the very first thing that
1: anybody has to remind themselves of when they use social media as a comparison tool mm-hmm. is that almost everybody, unless they're trolling somebody or attacking somebody, they are doing their absolute best to sound, look, or be as great as they possibly can be. There is so little genuineness in social media. And, you Dude. know, in Instagram and in TikTok videos in YouTube videos, Facebook, you know... <laughs> You know, the joke has been for a long time, you know, everybody's Facebook vacation is the one that you wish you could have, but no, you can't. Well, that's because they're not real, right? I mean, we had one good picture out of 400, and the rest are terrible, so we're going to put that picture on Facebook. We compare ourselves to unrealistic things all the time in social media platforms, mm-hmm. and it's it's really unhealthy. And it's particularly, it has a really deleterious effect on teenage girls' The
0: most the worst, isn't it?
1: Teenage boys next, and then younger kids after that, and then young adults. Mm-hmm. It's it's really really damaging for a lot of people mm-hmm. to constantly compare to these people who really literally spent hours doing their makeup or getting the lighting right. You know, that's kind of that hidden side of production quality. Sure. A lot of these producers they act like, oh, I just threw this YouTube video up. No, they spent like a couple of days putting this together. <laughs> right, and that's not something to compare yourself to. No because you, you will never live up in your natural world
0: because they don't either. Yeah, but when you're presenting an image to the world and you're competing yeah. against all the other people out there who oh, are yeah. presenting something realistic or unrealistic, that is where you're feeling like a fraud or a incompetent or right. or inferior or whatever. I say get away from it. That, oh, I totally agree. But that's just me. I'm not on social media. I I'm not either. I'll let, I'll let God's word tell me. About who I am, I think that's a really wise way to, to go about
1: it. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, a lot of teenagers don't see it that way. Of course, they don't. And there's probably a lot of parents of teenagers who might be listening. And I think it's very important to have really honest conversations about what your kids are are looking at, um, and understanding who who they're watching, and and knowing about them. You know, doing some research to know who's behind who's producing the content that your kids are watching? What kind of, what kind of people are they? Are they believers? Are they, are they just, you know, kind of neutral about all that kind of stuff? Are they, are they anti-Christian? Those are, those are important questions to ask. And all you have to do, you don't have to like, give me your phone. I want to see your entire social media feed. You can just ask kids, what are you watching? What are you listening to? And you can have a conversation about it. Oh, I've heard of that person. How do you spell that? And then you go Google and look it up Mm -hmm. and find out what they're about. I, I think it's really instructive for parents to to do that, to know who is influencing my kids and who is influencing those people. Mm-hmm. Is it God or is it mankind? Mm-hmm. And those are really, really important questions to ask because kids mim- mimic and imitate what they see on social media yeah. all so, the time.
0: So Andy, I think this comes from your profession of psychology. So let me run by some of the strategies. I think that can help if you have these feelings yeah. of feeling like a fraud or a phony or an imposter is is to learn whatever the the real facts are and understand what it is and then share your feelings yeah right because yeah. that's going to dismantle some of the feelings of inadequacy or phoniness absolutely talk yeah. to somebody
1: yeah particularly somebody you i think this is where mentorship can come in really handy yeah You know, and, and mentors don't always have to be, you know, somebody you meet with with for coffee once a month at Starbucks or Caribou or whatever. It can be somebody at work who you just look up to and can go to for questions. Mm -hmm. Um, A a schoolmate, an older person in your, in your school or your class or youth group, somebody else's parent. I mean, sometimes you don't want to have these conversations with your mom or dad. So, or moms or dads, sometimes your, your kid doesn't want to have that conversation with you. Help them find somebody in your church or in your community who they might feel comfortable with. So mm-hmm. they do have an exemplar or someone to say, no, 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 you can you can do this. Or, hey, that's all right. I felt that way too when I was your age or when I was at your experience level. Mm-hmm. Those are great people to have in your life.
0: And celebrate your successes. Just totally. enjoy. Enjoy. Don't great. beat yourself up. Just enjoy. And let go of perfectionism. Absolutely. That's, that's a horrible thing to do. Is it's be tough. Tortured by perfectionism.
1: Well, it's like you get a promotion and you're like, man, I, I probably won't be able to do this. And then you get another one. I'm probably not going to be able to. Yeah, I mean, be happy for those things. Again, there's nothing wrong with celebrating your success as long as you're not turning it into dunking on somebody for your success. That's mm-hmm. you know, that's not a nice way to go about it. But it's, o- it's okay to win something. It's okay to have an award. It's okay to be recognized for mm-hmm. being excellent. Those are good things. And we should hang on to that stuff and use that as fuel To continue to glorify God through what we do. That's why he put us here, so we can serve him, glorify him. And we do that by
0: being great at what we do. There's Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with that. So if you feel a little bit like an imposter at times, maybe you need to cultivate a little self-compassion. Yeah. That would be helpful as well. And to to share your failures. Right. Um, That's not a bad thing to do is connect with people at certain levels and say, you know, I went through that and I had a very disappointing experience. Hey, so did I. Yeah, so right? you know, it's not who I am. It's something that happened, and that's right. You share those failures, and you move on. And I think you just have to accept it.
1: Yeah, because we are a product of our successes and our failures. That's right. Right. That's why we have memories, so we can remember. I oh, yeah, I did that once. I don't ever want to do that again.
0: I almost did that again. And there's nothing wrong with that either. No, is no. Remembering what you mistakes you made and saying I don't want to do that again. Absolutely. Especially if it's sin, then you definitely don't want to. You need to learn right. to hate sin. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of a little encouragement goes a long way. Got a nice note from a listener. You're doing a great job. Kind of Tony the Tiger great. <laughs> You're great. <laughs> You're great. <laughs> yeah. And that, that means that just means a lot to me. That's fantastic. It's uh, it's really great. You are pretty great at this. Oh, thank you, Andy. You're welcome. I was going to just push back, but I thought I better just Yeah, receive don't do that. Compliment. Yeah,
1: just take it. That's a whole other thing. There are so many people out there who who can't take a compliment. You're like, hey, that was great. I know. Thanks. You're like, oh, no. Or the no, gourmet sorry.
0: dinner. I'm not right. sure. I think, the, I think the meat was dry.
1: Well, it it was. That's
0: usually <laughs> what I say. When people do that,
1: oh, I was actually bad at it. I'm like, yeah, you were. Yeah. yeah. But I choked it down. I was a little off key in that song. Yeah, I, you were. <laughs> Next time I come... Try to get it right because yeah. I, I don't think we should let people get away with that kind of stuff. When when you and they both Call know it's it? good yeah. and they act like it was terrible, don't let people get away with that. Don't let kids get away with that. Don't let your parents get away with that. Don't let your friends get away with that because that is where that insecurity builds. When you take yourself down unnecessarily and unfairly, don't do that and don't let other people get away with that.
0: Mm-hmm. Maybe they're just looking for a little extra affirmation. If I take myself down a little bit, I'll yeah. get more attaboys, and right now that's what I what I need. That's exactly what it is. Yeah.
1: So you give them one attaboy, and then you say,
0: now stop acting like you're not good at it because you know you are. Yeah. And then leave it at that. Mm-hmm. But if you feel like a phony or an imposter, it might be a more of a struggle, Andy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: And that's why you continue with that positive self-talk so you don't have to worry about
0: that mm-hmm. anymore. As... You think in your heart, so it is. So make sure you're putting truth in, in your heart. Right on. Yeah. Thanks, Andy. Always Thank great you. to have you here. Dr. Andy Scudinga has been my guest, professor of psychology at North Central University. After a short break, we're back with Dr. Eric Tonas in our Red Word series. I Can Hardly Wait. We're in the Book of Luke. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support.